Fads come and go, and nowhere more than in the world of weight loss. That's why Noom's weight management programs are made to last. Noom uses science and personalization to help you manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Welcome to another episode of the In The Pen Podcast, part of the Petrolist Podcast Network. I am your host, Cal, and I'll say joined, as always, by Rick Graham and Jake Crumpler. Guys, spring training is has started. We are full in the thick of games. We've actually started doing drafts, so season gets even closer and closer. I can't be more and more excited. How are you guys doing tonight? Yeah, let's echo that sentiment. Super excited for it's finally March, and you know, it just means one step, one day closer to opening day, the real opening day, and you know, hopefully we can stop. You know, I'm already kind of getting sick of all this spring training injury <laughs> news and everything that you know, just the overreactions. So yeah, one step closer to opening day. You're sick of the injury news. I'm sick of the the pitch clock discourse. Oh, <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it got tired so fast. I just uh, I don't know. I feel like so many people are missing the point, but. That's fine. Uh, I think many get it out relievers, of the systems now, you know, get that exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's everybody's getting used to it. Not only the operators and the players, but also the fans. So yeah, good thing we have spring training. Cause this is what it's for to get those bad takes out of the way. And uh, hopefully everybody's used to it once the season starts. Well, I can assure you there'll be no bad takes on this show. Absolutely not. Why would we, <laughs> why would we ever give a bad take? But on this episode, we're going to dive into some of the latest ADP, Kind of really get into some of the players. We're going to look at some of our favorite values in each sort of tier, favorite people are trying to avoid in this sort of tier, dive into some mailbags. We actually just also started our uh, great fantasy baseball invitational drafts. I'm sure if you've been on fantasy baseball Twitter, you're seeing draft boards and uh, picks going off. We'll do a quick discussion on our strategy for that. I know we've each taken a little bit of different turns in terms of uh, who we drafted. We had one guy in mind who I'm sure we're going to get into as soon as possible with uh, our fair targets. But as always, we're going to start off with the latest news. And, you know, like you said, there are some injuries and there's some things to notice. Luckily, there hasn't been that big, severe reliever injury yet. We've had some injuries at our positions. But as you know, we focus solely on relievers on this show. So let's get into some of the latest news. The first one, person we want to talk about is Jose LeClerc. He has been bad dealing with some uh, neck in- some neck tightness, some neck injury during this uh during preseason, nothing to be considered too concerned about this point. Although he has officially dropped out of the World Baseball Classic, but are either of you guys concerned about Leclerc yet? Are you lowering him in drafts or in terms of your ranks? So, what's he doing with regards to him right now? It seems like he's starting. He's taken a little bit of a a dive in ADP like recently. Um, I, he fell a little bit in my TGFBI league. Um, I, I I don't think see. If it was anyone else, it was one of those top 10 closers, it wouldn't be a concern. He should be ready for, you know, opening day. But just the fact that he's not, you know, there's there's other options there to potentially close out games. And he, he's not exactly locked into that role. So does kind of does, does this open a door for someone else? Maybe that's the only concern I have. But I think um, I think I'd still be looking to take him, you know, around where he's he's going now. 
My question is, who does this open a door for? I think the confidence surrounding Jonathan Hernandez sort of faded after he struggled last year when he took over the closer role for a little, and the hype surrounding Joe Barlow also dissipated. And I think Brock Burke is more of a, he's really valuable in a multi-inning role. So I just, I don't see the competition there. I've never heard of a neck injury that has been so bad that uh, it's stopped a player from doing things, but you know, I don't know. Sometimes you wake up on the wrong side of the bed and it's really bad. I've, I've had it a couple of times. I'm only 25, so I haven't experienced a lot of neck and back pain, but I can only imagine at 29 what, <laughs> what that's like. Yeah, luckily I'm in the same boat. Not too many neck and back injuries, but I've definitely woken up on the wrong side of bed. And I've also just been lazy and not wanted to get out of bed, but that's another another story. But yeah, I can see how that can cause something. I think the Ranger playing is smart. He's holding himself out of the World Baseball Classic. I would still expect him to be out there for opening day. I'm not downgrading him too much because like you guys said, who does this really open up possibility to? I can't really see any other Texas Ranger reliever, but I'm really t- as interested in drafting, so... I think Leclerc's still fine value where he is, but we'll dive in a little bit more to him as we get into tier where she's going. The next reliever that I want to talk about in terms of the injury, Daniel Bard left his last start with a thumb laceration. He struggled, and I'm sure we all have a lot we want to say about Daniel Bard just because he pitched in Colorado, but he's currently going to be slated to pitch for Team USA in the WBC. Is this someone you're keeping an eye on during that time? Are you concerned about his rough outing or the thumb injury, or is it just business as usual with Daniel Bard and how we view Rockies in general. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't help uh make his case um for where he's going right now, but uh probably something minor. It's definitely I someone he's definitely one of those guys I want to see what he looks like in the spring and if he's if he's pitching for team USA that would also, you know, see where his velo is at at his age. I mean I think I know I'm going to get off topic here from relievers, but looking at like Adam Rainwright's velocity readings for his first two starts in the spring, and he's you know sitting at 85 miles per hour. It's you know it's, it's, at some age, you know at a certain age, it just falls off. So definitely need to see some of Bard this spring before. So if this keeps him out, I'm, I'm definitely staying away from him. Um, I, I think especially where how early he's going in drafts. Mm-hmm. I was already staying away from him, so this only increases those feelings of, of avoidance, but I actually like some of the guys in that bullpen outside of Bard. I know they're pitching in Coors, which is not kind to any pitcher, but Denelson Lamette and Justin Lawrence, I think are both really interesting going into this next year. The Rockies are so bought into Bard that I think they're going to give him every chance that he, he has to close out games, even if his thumb is cut up a little. I don't know. A laceration can't be that bad that it's going to keep him out of opening day when he's got like four weeks. We're four weeks away from that. I think he's going to be completely fine. I would think so too, but you know, we'll get into him in a little bit. Another name I want to bring up too for that Rocky Penn that I've kind of had some interest in original, at least originally was Pierce Johnson throws the ball hard. He's got good spin on his curveball. It's just another name to monitor that pen when he signed originally, just my brain blanking blanking at the beginning of December as to the Rockies bullpen. I was like, oh, maybe he'll compete for saves. I'm like, oh, right. Daniel Bard signed for $50 million or whatever he signed for last year, which was just a contract I'll never really understand. But that's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a discussion for another podcast. But keep an eye out there. I would definitely want to see what he looks like either in his next spring outing or if he does pitch for Team USA. Like Rick said, keep an eye on that velo reading and hopefully he can get himself back in track because we need some more of those uh, guys we know are going to get locked in saves, even if it's Colorado saves. 
But speaking of not locks and saves, we don't know what's going on in LA and the seasons, and it's going to continue to get more confusing as Daniel Hudson has fallen behind this spring training throwing program. It's sounding more and more like he's not going to be ready for opening day as he recovers from injury. If he does miss it, who are we? Are we still? Is Evan Phillips still the favorite? Are we on the Bruce or Gradwell trade? What's kind of our read on the Dodger pen right now that Daniel Hudson's likely going to miss the start of the season at this point? Yeah, I think it's. I'm now leaning more towards Phillips in that bullpen. Um, I guess it depends on how long Hudson's going to be out for. I, I mean, the early reports said that he has a chance to make opening day, and now it sounds like he's going to start the year in the IL. So, you know, is he going to miss, you know, a week or two, or is it going to be a full month? Um, would like to get some clarity on that before, because if it's only a week or two, then, you know, it's still conceivable that he can come back and, you know, save games right away. And they don't really have to install someone as a closer. Um, so, yeah, it definitely makes me more interested in Phillips, though. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll get into his ADP right now. I, I think it's now kind of justified, whereas before I was probably thinking it was a little bit too high. Even in a couple of weeks, I think a pitcher like Phillips could lock down the role because mm. once a player like that gets into a rhythm and maybe he has five or six successful saves in two or three weeks, the Dodgers might just feel confident in letting him roll throughout the year. But I'm pumping up the Bruce Dark Ratterall train. I was already thinking of him as a sleeper. Evan Phillips' ADP is likely to rise with the Hudson news, and Gratterall's probably will rise too as well, but it was already pretty depreciated before the injury. I, I just think Gratterall's such a great value, especially in saves plus holds leagues, because I think he's going to be one of the best pitchers in that format, but he's got a, a big opportunity to take over the role, especially because have we seen a lot of Phillips having success outside of last year? No. He's barely pitched yeah, in the majors. Yeah. So it's sort of just like one outlier season. Obviously, the Dodgers know what they're doing. They get the best out of their players. So this could just be something that sticks. It's a it's a common theme around there. But I, I just have so much faith in Gradwell this year that I, I'm I'm riding the train. Choo choo. I mean, before last year, the most outings Phillips ever had in a single season was twenty five back in twenty nineteen. So he's not exactly mm-hmm. a a known commodity in that pen. So keep an eye on Gratterall as you know, to specify it, Hudson is recovering from a torn ACL last season and is dealing with ankle soreness. He is going to be 36 this coming this month. So it is something to keep an eye out for. I know it's likely not going to be a long-term injury. Like you said, Rick, it may just be a week or two, but I don't know if so, any, any little setbacks or a, one of those committee pens and it just uh, makes the committee a bit more of a, a, a smaller committee, which we kind of like for fantasy. So I think, like you guys said, I would agree. Phillips right now seems to be the favorite. I'm keeping an eye on uh, Gratterall, but I, you know, we'll keep an eye as we move forward and see what uh, what these guys look look like in the next couple weeks as we get closer to opening day. Hopefully, Dave Roberts has more to say because they're already dealing with enough injuries, especially with the Gavin Lux one. But another committee that seems to maybe be getting a little bit smaller is the Philadelphia Phillies and. Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but Gregory Soto currently has not made it to camp. We're sitting here recording on March 2nd. He's been dealing with visa issues and hasn't gotten over to Clearwater yet. So does this matter to you guys in terms of the closer committee? Do you think that puts him right into, you know, takes him out of the mix? Do you think he is right there, is still going to be there when he gets over to Philadelphia? What's your read right now on that committee? 
Yeah, I think, you know, being on a, being, you know, with a new team, you definitely, I'm guessing the Phillies really wanted to get him in there early and, you know, work with them. So I just definitely puts him behind um, the other, the, I guess now we can call it a trio of potential closers and Alvarado, Sir Anthony Dominguez and Craig Kimbrell. Um, I wasn't really in on Soto to begin with, but I just feel, I feel like this definitely, unfortunately, probably, um, yeah, keeps him out of the closer comp, um, you know, discussion. I I don't know how these things work. I have no idea about the politics surrounding moving countries and that kind of stuff. But how does this happen so often that a, a player has visa issues? I mean, I'm sure, like like I said, I, I'm not tuned into that at all. But it seems like it happens too often. Like, it's not like these players are without money or, like, don't know when they're going to be back in the country. So I'm always confused when stuff like this happens. But that's beside the point. I think it's interesting that a guy like Soto, who leads the four guys in that committee in saves across the past two seasons, is likely the one on the outside looking in. But I think it's clear that he might be the one that's, I don't want to say he has the worst stuff because he's sort of competing with Kimbrel there, but we know Kimbrel sort of looks good on PLV. So yeah, I I think this sort of keeps Soto out because it's going to take him a little longer to get ready for the season as compared to the other guys that have been there uh, all spring. But yeah, I think we were already all in agreement that Soto was the sort of the, the fourth guy in that committee anyway. And finally, saying in the NL East, we have another committee possibly getting smaller. Because, of course, the two guys who we were picking for the favorites for the Miami Marlins for saves with Tanner Scott and A.J. Puck are both battling injuries. Tanner Scott is currently dealing with a biceps injury. A.J. Puck is currently dealing with an adductor strain. It does Nothing seems too severe yet, but of course, we're monitoring this situation closely. So as we sit right now, are you putting a red flag next to these guys? Are they off your draft board? Is there somebody who's now emerging in Miami? What's the readout and for the Marlins now that our two favorite relievers in that pen are both dealing with injuries? Yeah, I mean they both sound like minor injuries, but still, any setback at you know at this point can, you know, it's not a good thing. So, uh, Dylan Floro looks like he, he just being steady. Dylan Floro, he just keeps uh you know inching closer to you know keeping that job or winning that job if we don't consider him already having it. So, um. Yeah, I think it just boosts Floro's um, chances to, to, you know, enter the season as closer there. It's hard not to think about Matt Barnes as the guy that gets the most rise there since he is one of the offseason acquisitions. And you have to think that the Marlins have some confidence in him or else why would they go out and acquire him? Trading a reliever for a reliever sort of tells you that they valued Barnes higher than Blyer, which doesn't say a lot in terms of closing terms, but we've seen Barnes close in the past. I feel like he's got some of the most closing experience in that bullpen and he's been, I don't want to say elite in the past, but he was good in the past. And the the Marlins are a team that seem to trust more veteran guys. I know we saw Scott close out games last year while he was 27, but the fact that they've liked Floro in the past, Barnes is still only 32. He's he's a guy that I'm going to be focusing on. I think he's got a much higher ceiling than Floro for sure. I'm definitely monitoring the situation closely because this is a new regime in Miami. Skip Schumacher has been brought in as new manager, so mm-hmm. you know you could take their tendencies and still apply it, but it's not you know it's definitely something to keep an eye on. I'm leaning your way too, Jake. That 
Barnes is the guy I like the most in that pen at this point, as much as I, as we sit right now. But by the time we talk about the NL teams in a couple of weeks and preview it, my mind can change because it's Miami and it changes weekly. And I don't think any of us are going to have, I think it might be another one of those bullpens where we sit down, preview it in a couple of weeks, and we're all going to have three different favorites for that closer job. So uh, just, you know, watch closely. Hopefully we see Puck and Scott in game action in the coming days and we can get away from those concerns and get the two guys with probably the better stuff out there in the pen uh, before we move forward. And as we sit here today, Brad Hand, Zach Britton, Will Smith, it's our weekly reminder, Corey Knable, they're still free agents at this point. You know, we'll keep putting it out there. We'll break it down once they sign elsewhere. But at this point now, I'm kind of just crossing them. They already were off the board, but you know, I don't think any of them are going to... I'm just surprised those three lefties are still... I mean, mm-hmm. every team could use a lefty in their bullpen. I, I'm surprised they haven't gotten any... Maybe they're holding out for a major league contract and they don't want just like a camp invite. I, I, I'm i surprised they're still available. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I would have think, you know, like you said, everyone looks for a good lefty reliever, especially if all the you know reports of the showcases Zach Britton's getting. You'd think somebody yeah. would have taken a shot on him at this point. But, you know, hopefully they, they get into it. Maybe they're waiting for that big... Uh, reliever injury that we'll be talking about yeah. to get that contract but as we sit right now they're still out there so monitor those guys closely as we move forward but before we take we're gonna head into a quick break when we get back we're gonna dive into some of this adp talk we're gonna go tier by tier reliever by reliever talk about our favorite targets guys we're avoiding in each tier kind of just break down where you can expect to get your relievers as we sit here at the beginning of march and the beginning of draft season so we'll get right back with some adp talk in just a moment Eating is an emotional experience, which is why managing your weight needs to be a psychological one. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain. And they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Start taking control of your weight management and join the millions who have lost weight with Noom. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com to sign up for your trial today. When it comes to weight management, we tend to put our focus on what we eat, but Noom's approach puts the focus on why we eat, and that's a game changer. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Their psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easier to maintain, and they help you understand the science behind your eating choices and why you have those cravings. Noom's personalized courses are easy to follow and will help grow your confidence with tools you can put into practice on day one. The best part? You decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. And based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. Try Noom today and see the results for yourself. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. All right, let's dive into some of this ADP and go uh, reliever by reliever. We're going to start, we'll be doing this by the NFBC, D 
DC ADP since February 11th post the trade for AJ Puck because it's good data point about three weeks of ADP. It's about 25, 26 drafts. Get a good idea of where these guys could go. Obviously, we could talk about our TGF bad teams as we get into there if we draft some of these guys, but we want to start looking into guys we're targeting, guys we're avoiding, just give you some more perspective as we talk about sleepers, but kind of get into the, the big guys as well. So we're going to start with the first tier, which is about only about three relievers. Edwin Diaz is going currently pick 25, Emmanuel Classe pick 27, and Josh Hader at pick 36. So we'll start with you, Jake. All three of us have kind of said at the beginning of the preseason that we don't draft guys in this first tier. Has your mind changed since then? Is there any one of these three you would target the most? Or are you still kind of avoiding all three and waiting? What's your strategy when it comes to the elite high-end relievers? I wouldn't say I'm avoiding this tier at all, but I am unwilling to draft these players at their ADP. If they fall around past this, then I might start considering it. The fact that in 15 teamers, they're like, clearly in the second round for hater it's the third round but that's really early especially with the talent that's still there especially on the offensive side if i were to choose one it's probably class a i think he's clearly the one b to edwin diaz edwin diaz a lot more strikeouts than class a but class a i think is probably the most elite ratio provider in all of baseball maybe um but the fact that he goes later than diaz gives me more confidence in, in drafting him. You know, at least you'll have a, a little bit of a discount compared to the number one reliever, but I don't feel confident in drafting Hater. There's no discount off of his awful season last year. I wouldn't consider him an avoid because I would draft him at some point. It's not near pick 36 though. And yeah, the, this, this first tier is not something I'm targeting at all. Yeah. I mean, pretty much hit the nail on the head there of all of that. So, um, yeah, I say I feel the same way. Um, I would, I would consider hater being overrated in this tier and someone I'm definitely not going to stay away from. But the last time I had hater as overrated, I think was two years ago when he was the clear cut best closer in baseball. So, um, you know, wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, pitches as well enough to, you know, um, have value at that draft point with 36 overall, but definitely staying away from him and probably Diaz and Classe as well. I'm unlikely like you guys to draft anyone at this point. I think it's just way too early. I usually have much more pressing needs at this point in draft. I don't have as much concern of Josh Hader as you would if I'm just doing a pure ranking of relievers. I think Hader would still be my third reliever, I think, towards the back end end of the season in September. He started to figure out, you look at his numbers in September, he had an ERA just over one, had 10 strikeouts in two third innings. He started to look more like himself, and I think a full year in San Diego. He's not going to go back to being the pure dominant Josh Hader we all know, but he's still going to be a high-end reliever. I think he's rightly placed in that group as the third guy, but again, I think uh, he's still, I wouldn't say a full avoid, but I'm unlikely to go at this point just based on there's so much more that I need than just targeting saves. But we'll go into this next group, which I know all three of us have kind of expressed we would try and get one of these guys or maybe in the tier after. But as we sit right now, Jordan Romano is the top of his tier at pick 48. Rizal Iglesias is at pick 52. Devin Williams at pick 53. Brian Presley at pick 54. And Ryan Helsley at pick 63. 
That's not going to be confusing as we get closer to the draft mm-hmm. season, having two Ryans back to back. But Rick, we'll start with you this time. Of this tier, is there anybody who stands out as a target for you for drafts or clear avoid, or is it just pick the one you like and move on? Yeah, it's kind of whichever one of these guys lasts. I would definitely be interested in. Um, <clears throat> I'm a little, I guess, I just, it's not a big deal. I had all these guys in the same tier, but kind of surprised that Romano is the highest of the group here. Um, mm-hmm. Some things with uh, I, I like some of the other guys here better. Iglesias, I pretty much all four guys below him, I like a little bit better. But um, I guess there's you know Romano has been closing for two years, and you know he get might be the least risky when it comes to health concerns. But it's not like he he hasn't had his own issues in the past. So, um, but I do like this group as a whole, and you know if if one of them lasts past you know. 63 is where Helsley's going. I mean, that's even a little bit early, but still, I, I understand you have to pay a premium in these types of formats. So I, I don't, I, I think it's very, you know, makes sense to take one of these guys in that 50 to 60 range. If I want a, a reliever this early, this is probably the tier that I'm shopping in. The thing is, and I don't know if it's because we do a reliever podcast and I, and I write about relievers often that I, just want to wait on this kind of stuff where I'll take the discount of one of these guys falling around pick 75 or so. But before that, I don't want to give up the value that you can get elsewhere in terms of targets or avoids. Yeah. I also agree that it's interesting that Romano's the earliest drafted because I think he has the worst skills amongst this group, but his team is really good. But the other players in this tier also have good teams, except for, and there's an argument to be made that the Brewers aren't uh, they're definitely not in the same tier as the Braves, the Cardinals and the Astros and the Blue Jays. Nonetheless, I think I would be targeting Iglesias the most. I think that team is super good. I think it's really clear that Iglesias is locked into that role. I think he's a very underrated reliever. Great strikeout to walk ratio. I, I just love the vibes coming out of Atlanta. It's hard for me not to just draft every single player on that team. But th- this range, I feel like is going to provide very positive value. It's hard for me to see one guy in here that's going to provide negative value. Maybe Helsley falls back from his breakout season last year, or Romano doesn't live up to that hype because of his skills. But this is a very safe range to pick. It just sucks that it's near the top 50. I know when we were talking, the three of us as TGFBI drafts started, we were all looking at this tier immediately when we asked, we were asking each other, what's our relief strategy? We all said maybe Rizal Iglesias and someone later. Now, none of us got Rizal Iglesias, unfortunately, uh-huh. but we had that same mindset of going in this tier. I would agree with you that Iglesias would probably be my favorite in this one. Romano's close. You know, he's getting, he's probably would be, I don't know if I'm doing pure rankings, five, six, something in that range. I'm wondering about Ryan Helsley. The more I hear with the Cardinals, he's clearly the best reliever. Are we sure Giovanni Gallegos is going fully away? I, I there's some no. there's a part of me that just you know I I like Helsley. I like his stuff, but it's I feel like it's gonna be more of a committee than I'm st- was originally thinking. And I don't know if Helsley is a pure avoid for me because of that. But at this price, I probably would just wait and take someone in the maybe not even this next tier, just but uh. But I don't know. There's something about Helsley that I'm starting just, you know, I, I like him as a pitcher, but for fantasy, I, I really am starting to buy into the Gallegos idea that he's, there's going to be more of a committee there. Am I, am I crazy? 
he only had 19 saves last year. So yeah, not, not crazy at all. And you know, we look, no. I mean, it feels like he was and he was super dominant and he, you know, he had 60 innings, 60 plus innings, but only 19 saves. So yeah, it's, it's, I mean, he, he fell, he fell to the sixth round of my TGFBI league and I was going to take him if he came back to me and he got picked about four picks early. But uh, even the round before, I was considering him. I'm like, he's, this feels like a bargain almost for him. But um, yeah, I think there's a little bit of concern with just yeah what his his usage will be again this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He seems like a, a premium Andres Munoz. Yeah, I think that's a really good comparison there. Yeah. So we'll, we'll jump into this next tier, and I want to be honest. Right now, I'm kind of avoiding this third tier. It's kind <laughs> yeah. of just a. Average guys, average guys in the tier after that. It's, we're grouping them about picks of groups of ten at least start off. Some pick seventy to eighty-five. You got Felix Bautista going to pick seventy-one. I'm starting to become less concerned with the injury. He seems like he's going to be mm-hmm. okay. Kenley Jansen at pick seventy-seven. Camilo Duvall at pick eighty-three. Rick, we're going to start with you just because you're the resident Red Sox fan. We got the Red Sox closer in there. Give us our your opinion on this again. Is there anyone you're targeting there? Are you kind of just avoiding it, or just, you know, what's your what's a read on on this grouping? I don't like Jansen or Duvall there, but Batista's value starting to fall because of this injury scare is kind of making me think that I, uh, that's that's going to potentially be a good value, um, potentially a bargain for Batista. If he's going, you know, eight picks after Helsley, I'll definitely take Batista there. So uh, Jansen, it's, you know, I, I keep, I'm torn because it's not like the skills have totally fallen off. I mean, he's still... He's still able to miss bats. You know, he still doesn't have the command is not great. It hasn't been great the last two years and moving to Fenway and the AL East is another, you know, see how that works for him. Um, Yeah, I I, I just 77 just feels really, really high for him. And and Duvall, too. It's like, you know, I'm pretty like he's probably going to be the closer there. But, you know, that's what the GM's saying. Uh, but Gabe Kapler could, you know, do other things. And he's, you know, he's always kind of messed around with his bullpens and his closer situation. So I don't think it's guaranteed that he's a closer. And there's, there's just concerns with him. You know, his his slider's nasty, but his fastball's very average I, I, at best. So, you know, I don't love that. I don't love having a closer that has to come in and throw, you know, 70% breaking balls to uh, get the job done. That's not, not really ideal, but um, yeah, 83 for Duvall just seems right, really high. He should be a tier or two down. Mm-hmm. All of these guys seem sort of high to have the kind of question marks attached to them. Obviously, everybody knows about Bautista's injury. We talked about it a couple podcasts ago, and like Callan said, it doesn't seem as severe as many were predicting, but it's always hard not to avoid people that you already know are injured this early in spring. But to pair him with Jansen and Doval in this tier, it just makes it such a, a tier that I want to avoid this early. This would be a fine tier if it was sort of around pick 110 or so. But it just it, the fact that it's going like 25 to 30 picks too early on all of these guys yeah. is pretty frustrating. I think Bautista is fine where he is. But yeah, Kenley's got question marks surrounding his age, being on a team that we are not quite sure is going to be that great, providing too many save opportunities. And I think Duvall is the biggest question mark here. I think his stuff, obviously, like you said, really good, sort of mixed bags on the fastballs. But 
he does have a lot of competition in that role. We have no idea what Gabe Kapler is going to do. There's, there's tons of uh, other options for them to turn to. I think this entire tier might be an avoid for me. I would definitely take Bautista if he does come at a big discount closer to pick 100 or even uh, maybe around pick like 90 or so. But yeah, I've no, no way I'm taking Jansen or Duvall in the top 100. Yeah, Jansen and Duvall were both guys in my TGFBI league who were just continue to fall. Jansen was picked after pick 100. And so it kept getting to me like, ah, do I want to take this? And I had a choice between him and one of the next guys in this next tier. And I went with the next tier. I'm with you guys. I share the same concerns as Kenley Jansen. I'm just, I'm out. Especially if this is the price, there's no way I'm going to be getting Kenley Jansen on this team. And also he has the pitch clock concerns. He hasn't shown anything in spring training that's like, okay, should be a concern or has only been a few pitchers who actually haven't, you know, for bringing it up there. But, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm out. I'm fully sad on that. And Camilo Duvall, I'm fine with. I, I like him as a reliever. I probably would put him, you know, maybe in the next tier, maybe the top of the next two or three guys. But I think 83, like you said, it's probably too early, especially with San Francisco, who he's the favorite. And it seems like Kapler's going towards him as the favorite right now. But that can change in a drop of hat in San Francisco. So at this point, I'm just probably avoiding this full tier. And if Felix Bautista shows that he's healthy, he might even work his way up into that previous tier. How good he's been getting that pick 60 to 65 range, and I'd be, I'd still, I'd be okay with it. I'd be okay with it. But we'll go over that next tier. It's only two people, but this is where I might be getting my targets. This is where I got my first closer in TGFBI, and it might be where I'm targeting my first closer in a lot of leagues based on the price and. How things are going. We got Clay Holmes at pick 98 and pick and David Bednar at pick 101 currently. You know, we, we can just go it simple. Jake, we'll start with you. Do you have a favorite of these two? Are they reasonably priced? Are you targeting this tier? What's your you know, opinion of this grouping? Yeah, I like this tier because they seem sort of similar to the Bautista Jansen Duval tier, except they're going at a price that is easier to stomach. So if Somebody that I like early on doesn't fall to a price that I'm okay with. These are the guys that I'm going for with my number one closer. I think Holmes obviously has some competition in New York, but that's a really good team. He's got a clear ability to get ground balls. So it's like there's a reason for you to like him. And then Bednar's just got amazing skills. He's just on a terrible team. So yeah, I love this tier. I went Bednar with my first closer in TGFBI. I know you did as well. So we're both sort of on the same page there. That was probably because Holmes was gone. I don't know who would I, who I would pick over each other, probably Holmes, but I I do feel safe with this tier just as a number one closer. The skills are there. The uh, solidity of the role is also there. So yeah, I feel pretty confident in this tier because then you can sort of wait a couple more rounds to get that, that second guy. Yeah, I think it's you're you know you're getting the similar value just twenty plus picks later as you would with guys in the in the tier before it. Um, there is definitely there's as with the tier before it. There's definitely question marks with Holmes and Bednar. Um, but yeah, at this at this point, it's you know starting to run out of names that we can rely on as opening as being opening day closers. So. I have no problem with either of these two here. I, I definitely get this, this, this ranking or this uh, ADP. I think there's a guy in the next tier I might actually like better though. If I'm taking, if I'm deciding on uh, my first closer this late, but um, 
just tease that. <laughs> yeah, I actually went with David Bednar over Clay Holmes. I had the choice between the two when it came to my TGFI league, and I went. I'm leaning slightly Bednar. It's close. They're not going to be. You know, there's not a huge difference between them. I think Bednar is just a little more s- solid in his role. Clay Holmes, I'm not, you know, I'm confident he'll be the closer, but he has a lot more competition. The one concern we talked about with Bednar is whether he'll be traded. But like we said, they're reasonably, they're very reasonably priced. I'm good with those as the two closers. They're right about that top 10 range where I want to try and get somebody. So I'm perfectly fine sitting there and just grabbing one and then grabbing someone from one of the next two tiers and, getting my two clothes out of the way like I've done there. So we'll jump into that next tier and let Rick tell us which one of the ones he likes the most and thinks belongs in there. You got Joan Duran at pick 126, Alexis Diaz at pick 127, and Daniel Bard at pick 128. Rick, I'm going to go on a limb and say it's not (laughs) Daniel Bard, but tell me if I'm wrong. (laughs) It's not Bard, and it's not Duran, even though that's Duran's currently my only reliever in in TGFBI. But I, I think Alexis Diaz needs to be, I mean... David Bell, manager David Bell, already announced that Diaz is my closer. He's the closer. Uh, we saw the numbers he put up last year, which were, I mean, you look at Felix Batista. It's not like, you know, those guys both broke out about, you know, in similar ways. So I'm surprised that he's this far. Let's see. What is that? Uh, quick math. Like almost 60 picks lower than Felix Batista right now when, you know, yeah, the, the Reds are going to lo- are not going to win as many games as the Orioles probably, but. I still think Diaz with you know, his stuff and just as a, having a solidified role, I think he's starting to become the value pick for if you miss out on that second tier of guys, I think this might be where I might lean, you know, towards getting my first reliever now. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, it's easy to forget how good Alexis Diaz was last season, 1.84 ERA and a 32 and a half strikeout rate. That's pretty incredible. I think what, holds people back is not only the Reds being bad, but also pitching in Great American Ballpark, which sort of has the same connotation as pitching in Coors for Bard. But yeah, Diaz definitely has the great skills. I think my target would be Duran. I just love his skills, and I think he can take over the closer role pretty early on for a team that is likely to win a lot more games than either the Rockies or the Reds. And He's pitching in a ballpark that's not going to influence batters positively the way that Great American Ballpark and Coors will. So I, I love Duran. I think he's going a little bit too early for me because he doesn't have that solidified role. And there seems to be guys. I think he should be going closer to Munoz, who's going like 20 picks later. So that's the one problem is that he's sort of pushed up because I think many people are in the same mindset of thinking that he can take over that closer pretty early on. But I think I do have uh, one conviction that I am avoiding Daniel Bard at all costs. I just, I don't, he's just got so many negatives with the the age and the ballpark and the coaching staff and just, he was super good last year. I just don't feel confident in him at all and no way I'm taking him (laughs) at pick 128. That's crazy. Yep. He's a full on avoid. He's the one. He's probably the last guy on this list who we can feel confident will be getting saves for their team. But I don't care. He's going to blow up. He has the potential to. He had a great ERA last year below two. He has just as much likelihood to get an ERA over five this coming season and blow up your ratios. So if you're desperate for saves, fine. But I don't think you're going to be at a point where you're desperate for saves. You're better off just taking two guys for the next couple of tiers 
and they'll probably equal as many saves that Daniel Bard can get you. It's just, it's not worth the risk. There's guys in the next tier. There's one guy in the next tier who the three of us are in love with, so we'll get to that in a second. Who I'm sure all three of us will take over that and maybe over all three of these guys in this tier. But, uh, you know, I'm fine with Alexis Diaz kind of at this point. Duran, I want to be fine with, but I'm kind of, again, siding with Jake and just that the uncertainty yeah, Dur- for saves is just, it's so tough. Yeah, Duran, Jake nailed it. Duran should be in the next tier. He makes so much more sense mm-hmm. in that in that tier. Yeah. So but let's get right into that. Tier. Oh, go ahead. I was say he's he's elect. I mean, he he he's like, I get the, the 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 you know people wanting to take him early, but he with not having a clear cut role. Yeah, he belongs with kind of the other guys who fall into that same category. So let's jump into those guys. At pick 141, you got Scott Barlow. Pick 145, you got Pete Fairbanks. And at pick 146, Jake referenced him. It's Andres Munoz, the Seattle Mariners. As we sit now, we'll start with you, Jake. Is there anyone in this group who you're targeting? Is there anyone, you know, does Munoz belong in this tier? Because he's kind of in more of a committee than those. What's, you know, give us a read as to those and how comfortable you are taking someone in here. I love this tier. I think Munoz is really good. If we think of him as equal to Yohan Duran, then this is a value where he's being taken. He's got some of the best skills in all of baseball in terms of bullpen arms. So I love where Munoz is going. He seems to be push up in some drafts and he does have more competition than maybe Duran has. But yeah, I think Munoz is a great value where he's going. I love Barlow as well. He seems pretty locked into that role. He's been very solid and reliable the past couple of years, but everyone knows it's been listening to the podcast for the past couple of weeks. This is a Pete Fairbanks Stan uh, podcast group. We love Pete Fairbanks. He's got incredible stuff. He's locked into a contract extension with the Rays. He's got some of the best fastball metrics in all of baseball, and he was incredible to close out the season last year. I love Pete Fairbanks. i been pushing him up like 20 picks from pick 145 that that's just the clearest target that i have in all of the bullpen pitchers is pete fairbanks so yeah i love this tier give me some pete fairbanks in every single league yeah i this is a great tier even barlow i mean munoz is again just like duran it's you you might not be getting 20 plus saves but you're going to get everything else. You're going to get great ratios, a ton of Ks, potentially 100 Ks from both those guys. So, um, And if, yeah, I, I mean, Munoz might have a little bit more competition with, you know, Paul Seawald, who we'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, I still, I don't, I don't hate Munoz at this, at this point. And I, I usually, like, I've never really been, you know, Devin Williams in the past. I'm usually like, you know what, there's no need to, to jump and like take him in the, you know, with a top 150 pick, but how good Munoz is, and he's arguably, you know, the best reliever in baseball. Um, yeah, I, I think I'm fine with taking him at 146 and taking whatever I can get for saves from him. And Barlow's just, you know, he's steady. If you don't, if you really need saves at this point, if, if you're more concerned with saves, I think Barlow might be the pick here. Uh, whereas Fairbanks and Munoz are going to give you everything else. Um, if you've already taken those guys are more the second relievers where Barlow might be your first guy. Maybe you double dip here. I mean, there's a lot of good value around this point. Yep. We were talking about TGFI. I double dip. After I took Bednar, Scott Barlow fell to me up around pick 140. I snatched that up. I was hoping Pete Fairbanks would loop his way around. And unfortunately got taken about five picks before me. And I may have almost shit a tear while I was sitting at work <laughs> and supposed to be working seeing that. But yeah, I think those two Barlow and Fairbanks where we're going right now are continuing to be targets. I've been, 
the guy who's constantly bringing up the idea of Aroldis Chapman in this show and the more news that comes out of it, it's that's just going away. I, I think Barlow is a lot more safer than I originally was giving him credit for. And I don't think it it doesn't it hurt doesn't it hurt his chances when Aroldis Chapman gets hurt falling in his house. So um, I think Barlow is a very safe bet at this point. My one hesitancy with Munoz is the same question you guys had about Duran. Is he really worth a 20-pick difference between Munoz when Paul Seawald's going 20 picks later than Munoz when they're going to be pretty equal in saves? And Seawald was exactly what we wanted Andres Munoz to be last year. So I'm not avoiding Andres Munoz. I think, like you said, Rick, he's a great kind of like what we were looking for for Devin Williams. He's great for a lot of things, but when I can get a closer who's going to get close to the same amount of saves of him 20 picks later, why not just wait for that guy? So that's my one hesitancy for Andres Munoz, but I think he belongs in the next tier just because of that, but he's got the best stuff. So he, you know, he's of those two. So, you know, it's, it's close. So I think I would be, I like the first two. I think Munoz is fine, but if I had to target, it's Barlow and Fairbanks right now, but before we get to another break, we'll cover that last year, just outside of the top, the top 200. Paul Seawald's calling at pick 168, and previously I mentioned Jose LeClerc at pick 177. We talked kind of at the beginning of the show about what our thoughts about Jose LeClerc and how we still think he's the safe bet for the Rangers' job. Does that make him a value at this point in the draft, or is he just fine where he is? If you need saves, take him. Yeah, I like LeClerc. I, I like both these guys. Again, this is kind of the middle... This is kind of a good place to to get your second reliever, or if you you know get two relievers if you need to. So, I, yeah. I think Leclerc even at one seventy seven, even after the injury, seems about right. Um, because there is still, I mean, it feels like he's been around forever, but he's still you know in in, in his twenties. He still has really good stuff that I don't think has been fully tapped into yet. I think there's a little bit more to get out of him. If he's healthy, um, that's you know going to be the big thing with him. If he's healthy and being able to command the strike zone, so there's definitely a lot of value there. And Seawall, that's one of my favorite targets. Um, like you said, it's you know twenty pick, twenty picks later than Munoz, but he's probably you know the closer in Seattle. So, and it's not like he's he you know isn't great with strikeouts or ratios. I mean, he's one of the better relievers in baseball. So it's it's surprising kind of to see him this far down the list. Um, even if it's in a timeshare, I still I would expect another twenty saves from him this season. So, good value at one sixty eight for Seawald. Definitely being undervalued. He's sort of discounted and overshadowed by Andrew Andres yeah. Munoz because, like, because Munoz is just so great. But Seawald was incredible last year. He had a zero point seven seven WHIP across sixty four innings, which was sixth amongst relievers. That's really good. Sub zero point eight WHIP is he's great yeah. at base runner prevention and yeah i think it just he he's just overshadowed in that bullpen and so it makes people undervalue how good he is i think he's got a chance of getting a lot of saves i mean he had the most saves in that bullpen last year and it's not like muñoz wasn't there he was there basically the whole year it's this feels like the ryan helsley giovanni gallego situation where both of them are really good one of them has more electric stuff so he gets pumped up a little more. But Seawald seems like a safe guy, especially when you're getting him this late to not only at least grab 10 saves, but to also have really good ratios and strike out 30% of guys. The fact that he's going this late makes him a sort of a target for me if he if he falls, you know, around pick 175. That's that's pretty good value. 
We'll take a quick break, and when we get back, we'll drop Brent2V next tiers, which are both all after pick 200, so there's a nice little gap after Leclerc. He's our final guy before we get into the, the post-200. So we got, we'll run through those last two or three tiers, kind of look at some targets there before we talk about our top favorites of those groups, favorite target and drafts, and dive into a little bit of mailbag. All right, so after pick 200, we get into a group of about seven. We're going to expand the tiers a little bit because of that. Alex Lang just going at pick 224 currently. Evan Phillips at pick 224. Lang at 223, excuse me. Kyle Finnegan at pick 225. Jorge Lopez at pick 236. Sir Anthony Dominguez at pick 237. Carlos Estevez, we talked about a lot last week at pick 242. And Kendall Graveman at pick 259. Rick, you said you started with Duran only at your... TGFBI draft. So, are you looking in this tier for your second reliever? Or are you going deeper? And if you are looking this tier without disclosing as your favorite, is there any couple that you're targeting? I know there's a certain pitcherless staffer who uh, might be listening to this show. So, I, I was interested in Lang, and he went. I should have taken him at 245, and I just like someone else more. And like, I because this is the thing is like I, I'm I'm looking at options, and you know it's. Alex Lang should be the closer in Detroit. He's probably the closer in Detroit, but it's, there's still something that I, makes me hesitant to just, you know, commit to taking it. Cause there's just, you never know, like two weeks in, he might be out and then you just wasted a, a pick where you could get a, a bat that you can depend on. Um, so yeah, I think there's still, there's still one. I think there's one guy in this tier left in, in my draft that I have yet to go with a, with a second reliever. Um, and I'm thinking about him with my next pick, but, I still need I could lose another starter and you know at this point I might just go wait punt and you know look at some of the options deeper in the, in the draft and figure it out from there but um yeah I, I Phillips is definitely another name here that I, once I heard the news about Daniel Hudson I kind of you know wanted to get and I missed out on him as well um Finnegan is just yeah I don't really love that value there. Jorge Lopez, maybe, you know, I, I thought about him, but he went a little bit earlier than I liked. Um, but I thought about, you know, pairing him with uh, Durant to get all the saves in Minnesota. Um, but yeah, Carlos Estevez is still available. And that's kind of the guy that I'm thinking about the next pick. Um, it's crazy to see his value is his ADP shoot up this high, but it makes sense of him being the best, you know, and there's already talk about him being the the closer and for the Angels, so that's um, definitely someone to keep an eye on in this tier. Mm-hmm. This tier is not a lot of fun. I think it's no. a bunch of guys where we don't know if they're going to be the closer, or they have a lot of competition, or they're on a really bad team. There's a clear avoid for me. It's Kyle Finnegan. I just don't think he's that great. The Nationals are awful, and there's better options in that bullpen. We've talked about him: Hunter Harvey, Carl Edwards Jr. Hunter Harvey would be the one guy that I would want in that bullpen, but he's going outside of being drafted in 15 teamers. So not a guy you have to take at all in drafts. I love me some Sir Anthony. That's definitely a guy I'd be targeting in this tier. That's a guy I'm targeting as a dart throw, probably around pick 250 or so. And Carlos Estevez is probably pretty close to that. He definitely has less competition, but he's on a worse team. I think he's a little worse pitcher as well, but targeting Sir Anthony and Estevez and avoiding Finnegan. Yeah, you guys know my affinity for Estevez. He was brought up as one of my favorite sleepers on last week's show when he was back when he was actually in outside of pick 250. Since then, that's completely meaningless. But yeah, I think he's going to put great value at this point. 
I still don't know what to do with Jorge Lopez. I really am just confused. Uh, he struggled so badly with Minnesota last year, but like you say, he's going to be in this timeshare of Minnesota, and I think it's good. I'm wondering if he's maybe a tier too high at some point, just because I don't know if he has as good of his like stuff as some of these guys. I don't know what to do with him at this point. He probably is not going to be someone that ends up on a lot of my teams, but if you need saves, he's you know he's getting them in Minnesota. It's just how many. So I, I don't know. I don't know what to do with him. And the rest are kind of just if you need it. Kendall Graveman's intriguing to me just because he's still the favorite in my eyes in Chicago. But one guy we'll talk about later who's going 100 picks later. Why not just wait for him at that point? But we'll get to that in just a moment. Before you get to that tier, from pick 275 to about 325, you got Dylan Floro going at pick 277. Daniel Hudson, we talked about the beginning of the show, at 291. Craig Kimbrell, pick 294. Giovanni Gallegos, we referenced at good value at pick 303. Jason Adam at pick 304, if you're not among the three of us and not buying into Pete Fairbanks. Trevor May at pick 314, we talked about last week. Aroldis Chapman at pick 317. Taylor Rogers at pick 321. And Brendan Hughes at 326. We've mentioned some of these guys last week as some of our favorite sleepers, but Jake, is there anybody who stands out to you as a target this late in drafts? Yeah, definitely. I'll be throwing some darts at Gallegos. I think he's sort of we we've talked about it enough. He's just the one B sort of to Helsley. He just doesn't have as good stuff. He's gonna steal some saves. But I really like Trevor May and I like Taylor Rogers as well. I think Rogers is one of the most underrated relievers in the game. He had a struggled a lot last year and he's coming at a huge discount. He's sort of obviously got traded for Josh Hader, so they're sort of linked, but Hader doesn't have any discount, whereas Taylor Rogers has like a two hundred pick discount. So there's big value to be had there. And I think Trevor May is probably the best reliever in the A's bullpen and they'll be looking to trade him. So getting a lot of saves for him in the first half is going to be important. So yeah, I'll be targeting May and Rogers. I'll be avoiding Chapman for sure. Cause even if he was the closer, I don't think I would have him on my team. Um, and then I don't have too much confidence in the rest of the guys in this tier. Yeah. I think there's even some more, I mean, Probably avoiding Floro at that at that rate, but uh, you know Hudson, if he if he drops more, I, I, he might be a guy I look at late, like at the end of a draft, to, if there's a, some sort of discount because of his injury. Um, Kimbrel might be worth a shot. I, I you know want to see a little bit more this spring. So far, so good though. Um, but yeah, at this value, I don't mind taking a flyer on him. Uh, Gallegos, like you said, yeah, I agree with that. Jason Adam, maybe I don't. If he's in a timeshare with Fairbanks, you're getting a pretty good value here. Um, but you know, nope, nobody's in timeshare with Fairbanks. Fairbanks <laughs> is almighty. Fairbanks is the best. No, it's <laughs> no. going to be yes. Colin Poche or Garrett Clevin, yeah, who are getting like 15 saves this year. So, yeah, uh, Chapman definitely avoid. May definitely worth a look at this point. Uh, and yeah, I like the Taylor Rogers call too. I'm someone I'm looking at in TGFBI. It's just a flyer to take on late uh and brandon used it going after all these guys who was end of the year as the cubs closer and could be the cubs closer to enter the year um seems like pretty good value he pitched well down the stretch seems like good value at this point yeah we talked about him last week as one of our favorite sleepers being the last person in this tier is very intriguing and for a cubs team who we think is going to be better than they were last year probably hover around 500 realistically I like that. I'm, I'm still hoping he's the closer. I know you guys had some concerns about him being the only lefty, but at this point in the draft, why not? 
I don't think there's anybody here who's like it's a bad value because it's really a dart throw late in drafts. But uh, you know, Trevor May, we I know we all like, and uh, Craig Kimbrell. I know I'm on team Rick and I are on team Kimbrell, while Jake's on team Dominguez. We sit right now, so I think that's good value. There's a lot of guys to like here. I don't think there's anybody too bad. I think Dylan Flora would probably be the easiest just avoid because there's three other guys in Miami who can easily take the saves and he doesn't do too much for you in terms of strikeouts and ratios to where he's really a good value. So he might be the only one who I'm saying pure, just I'll stay away from. But everybody else, you want to throw a dart at them. I'm not going to really have an issue. Even Aralds Chapman probably would have to drop a little bit more at this point, but I still think he has some save upside there, but more it comes out, the less I'm feeling confident by saying that. And the final two guys real quick from pick 350 to pick 375, Ronaldo Lopez at pick 362, AJ Puck at 369. We don't have to say too much more. Ronaldo Lopez is going to be competing for saves in Chicago and has some great stuff. And AJ Puck, we all like in Miami. So is there anyone you like more than that? Is there anybody who's just, you know, are you avoiding them because of some guys who could be picked after? Or what are your thoughts on those two? Uh, I think I'm definitely fully, it's taken me a while. uh, I'm fully on the Ronaldo Lopez train. Um, Definitely going to, I don't want to say definitely, but I very much so would like to get him um, uh, even before this. Uh, it, it sounds like, you know, Kendall Graveman's not pitching well in the spring. I know it's a spring. I know I, I talked about not overreacting early on, but still for when it comes to like competent closer competitions, it does kind of matter how well you pitch in the spring. So uh, he's got the, I think he's got the edge early on. And from everything I've seen from, you know, beat writers or just like reading the tea leaves, it doesn't seem like, Graveman's a lock at all to be the closer there, so I'm definitely definitely want to get some shares of Reynaldo Lopez at that value. And I thought Puck might have been higher. I don't know if this is you know the injury maybe has pushed him down a little bit, but um, it's another name that I'm thinking about at that at that price because you know we don't know Miami's situation is not great, and Puck probably is the best combination of skill and command because I have to add that caveat with Tanner Scott there so um, yeah I, I like Puck the most in that bullpen and think there could be some value in there mm-hmm. I'll be I'll be hard targeting Reynaldo Lopez this late in drafts I'll probably have to push him up a little too just to make sure that I get him but outside pick 300 I think that's a steal for a guy yeah. that probably has the upper leg on the closer role like Rick was saying and could have a big breakout season. He was really good last year, and the White Sox are not a terrible team, so he could have a lot of save opportunities. But that's a guy that, you know, I want to save my last start for and just make sure that I get him. Yeah, I'm I'm fully on board. Why not take a shot this late? I think both of them have, if not the favorite in their jobs, a very close second in a bad committee. So perfectly fine with either of them at this point in the draft. So, And we all know there's people going to pick 400. We don't have to go into them. If you want to hear some more of those guys, Listen to last week's episode. We saw some. We've referenced them throughout the show. Hunter Harvey, uh, you know, other guys in Chicago. Bruce yeah, Bruce Dar, all those guys. You know, we've referenced them throughout the show. But after pick four hundred, there's some good dart throws to go into. So we'll get into that. We just don't have the time to go through all this. So real quick before we get into the mailbag, we'll start with you, Rick. We've gone through a lot of relievers at this point. Is there a favorite target of yours? Who are you? most interested in at his price do you have a number one like you go into this draft thinking like i want to you know i'm sitting around this range and this is a guy i'm really hoping to get where he's sitting 
Uh, looking at these, I mean, it's I've I've been on. I think Seawald at the, is a great value, um, and you know, someone a two two out of Alexis Diaz, Pete Fairbanks, and Paul Seawald, I would be happy with. And I know Fairbanks and Seawald can be that might only get you thirty saves, twenty. I think it at least gets you thirty saves though, and I think you can find forty more. Um throughout the year if you 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 hit on one or two closers and you you know on waivers or even if you just maybe you sell you take those two and then you settle for like a dylan floro and take whatever saves he gets you to start the season and then you just build from there i i think that's not a not a terrible strategy as well so i like you know it's it's as usual it's a little bit too it's top heavy at the front where you know guys are going a little bit early um in that first two tiers so I might start. I might be hesitating and you know, waiting, waiting till after pick one hundred to get my first closer. Now, Jake, what about you? Who's your top target among these among throughout this? When you go into drafts, thinking like I really want to get this guy. We know the answer. It's Pete <laughs> Fairbanks. Let's go. Yeah, I, Pete Fairbanks is the guy. I, we're going to be in big trouble if he's not good this year. <laughs> um, we're we're artificially pushing up his ADP even further. But yeah, that's that's the one guy I'm targeting with all my might. Yep, I'll agree with that. Let's keep the Pete, Fair, the Pete Fairbanks train rolling. Scott Barlow is becoming more at this price pick 140. I'm, I'm starting to get more and more at that, at that point. So I think those two, someone in that tier, I'm perfectly, perfectly okay with. And besides Daniel Bar, Jake, do you have a pure avoid? If this guy stays <laughs> this price, I will not have in any single one of my leagues. Man, you made it really hard for me. <laughs> that was that was the easy pick for me. I think I guess that's everybody's easy pick. I will probably go with one of the guys going really early. I think it's I think it's Josh Hader. I, I don't mm-hmm. I don't think I can get myself to draft him in the third round. I mean he's like locked into the third round in even twelve team leagues at the very end. That's that's not something I could do. I'd rather take a, a batter in those first three rounds or even a starter at the end of the third round there than pick Hader, especially coming off of the season he just had. I think he's going to have a big bounce back, but there's I just cannot stomach taking him that early. If he gets a, a round or two discount, that's when I can start thinking about it. But yeah, that's an avoid for me inside the top 50. Jay, yeah. uh, Rick, Rick, what about you? Yeah, I agree with Hater. I think there's four guys in that top 100 that, you know, between Hater, uh, Jansen and Duvall. And yeah, you know, he's kind of sold me a little bit on Helsley. Like I don't, 63 seems very high for a guy who, you know, might not even reach 20. Paul Seawald had more saves than Ryan Helsley last year and had a, and what was Seawald's whip? 0.77. So, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's a whole 105 picks later. Um, that seems off. So yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm, might be avoiding Helsley too, but Jansen and Duvall, I just, there's, there's, a lot of too much risk there to be a top 80 90 pick um for me and yeah hater at 36 just seems we're not we're not discounting him enough after how bad he was for a large part, portion of last season yeah kenley jansen would probably be the clear answer for me if we take daniel bard out of the equation just for all the reasons you said and i'll i might even say emmanuel class a at this point i know it's a bit of a hot takey it's just second round in 15 team leagues early third and 12 teams i'm just I can't make pay that price in Class A. We know doesn't strike guys out. 
I'm seeing in my drafts, I feel like strikeouts are kind of the harder thing to find later in drafts. So I'd rather just get the strikeouts early in Class A while he's dominant and elite. I think I'm just going to steer clear of that at that price. But you know, I've never been an early reliever guy, so that's more of a just my personal draft strategy. But Kenley Jansen is just an easy, easy avoid with that Red Sox team. But we'll dive into the mailbag draft of the show if you want to get in on the mailbags. Throughout the season, we'll be doing those every every so often just to get some questions. You can join the PL Plus Discord by going to pitcherlist.com. Join Get PL Plus, PL Pro, all that stuff. You get Discord benefits along with many, many other great things we referenced throughout this show. The PL Projections, PL, PL Plus, uh, PLV, excuse me. Just a lot of great things going on at our site. So we'll plug it if you want to get into this mailbag while we'll throw some stuff on Twitter throughout the season. That's the easiest way to get access to us and the uh, the weekly the mailbags we'll be doing. So we'll start off with uh, Kuwell, one of our Discord members. He asks, who is the top saves hold guys in Tiger's pen that's not named Alex Lang? Any guys have a favorite out there that's not Lang? If you said you're concerned about him potentially falling off, do you have someone as a backup plan? <laughs> Jake, you want to take this one? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> I'm looking at the options. They're just so bad. None of them were good last year. There's nobody that has like a lot of upside. There's nobody that has a history of closing. That's sort of why Lang is locked into this role early on without having any history of closing in the past and sort of just being a solid reliever last year. This, if you want saves and holds, do not do not go looking in the in the Detroit Tigers bullpen. I think you've got a better shot looking elsewhere. A lot of these guys are going to be discounted because that team is so bad because they have no history of being good. If I were to choose one guy, probably, uh, oh God, it's just so bad. Will Vest, maybe <laughs> Jose go. Cisnero. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like, I mean, there's like Matt Whistler at a point at a time I was interested in. He's a non-roster invite for, uh, for them this, this spring. Um, but you know the Rays gave up on him last year, even though he had like an ERA of like in the twos, which was I thought strange at the time. But there's not a ton of upside there. Uh, simply just a slider guy that throws I think his slider about ninety percent of the time. Not really a closer type. And same with Jason Foley's like good. He's a good reliever, but I he's not a closer. He doesn't have. He, I mean, what is a closer? I guess, but he he Foley's not very. He's not getting a ton of swings and misses uh, with his stuff. He's getting a lot of ground balls, which is nice, but probably not someone who you want closing out games. So yeah, I've, the answer is I don't know. Maybe there's a relief. Maybe there's a starter somewhere in this organization that they turn into a reliever that can be that guy. But right now, it's hard to see who that might be. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have much more to add for that. This is an ugly situation. If Alex Lang doesn't work out, boy, are we going to be in a, an awkward situation. But keep an eye on those names. It could be some some value, but I don't have many other guys to add. Maybe the Tigers are a team that adds one of those relievers, uh, free agents we talked about at the beginning of the show. But we'll go over to the cool. I had another question, this one about the Diamondbacks pen. What is the thoughts on Corbin Martin's role in the Diamondbacks pen? We've talked throughout the show about the past couple weeks about the Dimebacks situation as we sit right now and that kind of leads into Schwebzy also what is the Dimebacks closed situation so <laughs> as we sit today do we have a favorite in the Dimebacks closer job and does Corbin Martin even fit into that equation now too I mean why not it's uh, 
pretty much everyone on roster resource that's listed in their bullpen is listed as a, potentially a closer. So why not just add Scott McGowan, Corbin Martin to this five man committee that's already here? Um, it's so who knows? I, I Martin, I mean, Martin was a very good starting pitcher prospect. Um, could definitely work out in the bullpen. We had high hopes for JB Pukowskis last year, which didn't really work out. Similar situation with this bullpen, but um, yeah, the more I look at this bullpen, it's like, oh yeah, I could see him closing. I, could, I guess I could see him close. It, it's just like, I mean, McGow, Castro, Mantiply, Ginkle, Melanson's done it before. Schaefer can do it, can close. It, it, it's, it's a big headache that I don't know if I'm, you know, I've I said it, I think last week, if I'm throwing one dart here, I'm throwing it at Joe Mantiply and hoping that, mm-hmm. you know, he was he was their all star last year. If it's, I'll take a chance there, but um, again, I don't know if Scott McGow has pitched yet in the spring. I definitely want to see him. I want to see see what he's got, um, what he's working with. So, yeah, I mean, but you guys have mentioned Castro in the past, and I I like that idea too. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, I don't know. It, it's it's definitely a mess here. Mm-hmm. And it, it's sort of defined by none of them being mentioned in those top 375 picks that we just went through. No Diamondbacks reliever was even named. That sort of just shows the situation that's going on over there. I agree. I think Mantiply would be the only guy I would target, and I'd like to see what Miguel's got. The rest of those guys, I'm just very unsure about how they're going to work out. There's just... If there was one guy that was a closer, I could feel confident in them because all of these guys sort of have their positives. But the fact that there's six or seven guys that could possibly possibly be closing out games, I just there's no way that I'm going to put myself at risk of getting a guy that might not get any saves or be any good. But uh, outside of that, Corbin Martin. Looking at his skills, they are nothing special. So I'm not going to be thinking about him one bit. We, Like you said, he was a big starting pitching prospect when he was coming up through the Astro system. But the fact that he has very little command over his pitches, doesn't strike out a lot of guys, and doesn't seem to be able to limit hard contact, that's sort of everything you're looking at. And that, that adds up to a, a bad recipe. Yeah, we'll get into the next question also from Kuel. Who are our top two to three closers in waiting to look at for dra- late in drafts for stashes? Jake, we know one of ours is Bruzar Grass Gratterall. I think you've you've highlighted him enough in the show. Is there any other kind of closer? We've talked about a little bit throughout the ADP review, but do you have a, a two or three guys you're you know outside of that pick four hundred we talked about that you are holding on to as a closer in waiting? Um, I feel like. It's not guys that are going to be taken in drafts that are closers in waiting. I think these are guys that you want to pick up at some point in the beginning of the season, like uh, Michael King in the Yankees bullpen. I think that's an interesting one because he just seems like the the next guy in line there. Like you said, Bruce Gratterall is the clear one there. I wish there were more than that, but it does seem like many teams either have a locked in closure or we know what their committee is going to look like. It's not like there's too many teams where there's one guy that's just a bad closer that is going to lose his job pretty early. 
I will go and say Daniel Bard has the ability to do that. Um, and I like, uh, shit, what's his name? Uh, Denelson Lamette. He was actually really solid moving to the bullpen pitching in Coors last year. And also Justin Lawrence has just some crazy stuff out of a really weird arm slot. So there's definitely, they seem like some guys that could be taken over that role at some point. But outside of that, I, I don't feel like there's too many guys like that, except for Hunter Harvey also. That that seems like another situation where he's not considered at all. And he sort of seems like the closer of the future. Yeah, those are all good names. Um yeah, Harvey is definitely someone I want to keep an eye on, possibly take late. Uh, Gratterall, like you said, I'm starting to buy into that. I don't know if that's the role they want him for, but um, if, you know, if Hudson doesn't start the year, then it limits their options. Michael King, again, brought him up last week. That's a good call. I like that in case, in case there's some sort of, you know, if Holmes falters. Uh, I think, you know, Griffin Jacks is an interesting name in Minnesota still. He's adding a cutter this year. Love seeing that. Love seeing guys add pitches. Um, yeah, other than that, I mean, you know, I guess if you want to get even deeper, it's Jimmy Herget, if Carlos Estevez, Estevez doesn't end up with that role. Herget was, he's nothing, you know, he's nothing special, but he was very solid closing out games for the Angels last year. Someone you can rely on, and he's not. You know, he's going to get you strikeouts here and there, but he's not going to, you know, can blow any, any everyone away. Um, so it's not very intriguing, but yeah, the, the, I think you covered a lot of the good names. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think Harvey's my favorite, though, right now. And I know Washington's not going to win a lot of games, but I would he's basically he's free and I think he can take over that role pretty early on. Yeah, I think as much as they uh a Pete Fairbanks stand we are in the show, we might be becoming a Hunter Harvey stand. I'm I'm yeah. completely agreeing with you guys. I think he's someone to, if not draft as your final pick, keep an eye on him and pick him up by mid-April when he likely takes that job over, which kind of leads into the final question by Adam Howe, which set closers, and he puts that in quote, because who is really a set closer, are actually on the hot seat and could slash should lose their job by mid-May? I'll answer that one. Daniel Bard. Um, I think we've all agreed on the show that Daniel Bard is a someone to monitor. Is there anybody else you're kind of keeping an eye on? I know, Rick, you've talked about Camilo Duvall as someone you're a little concerned about. Is there anybody else you guys think, uh, you know, want to remind people can be on the hot seat at this point and could lose their job pretty early? What about Josh Hader? I mean, if he, he comes out of the gate mm-hmm. struggling like he did last year, like he did for parts of last year, I mean, he's coming off a year where he had a 5.22 ERA, which, you know, just you know era is not is everything it's not something we you know tend to look at too much but it's still like sitting there glaring and if if he has two two bad weeks to start the year and robert suarez has a really good you know mm-hmm. really good start to the season then you know are, are they quick to make that switch you know they're, they're trying to win now they're not looking to wait so i think that's kind of an someone who i would be nervous about if he start if he struggles early on um other than that, I mean, like guys who are on the hot seat, um, you know, I, I guess Rossiel Iglesias too, just because AJ Minter's so good and Iglesias wasn't closing games out for Atlanta last year. He was also in a setup role, so I'm sure he's going to get every chance to, to be the closer there. But if he falters early, they have AJ Minter, they have Joe Jimenez, two great options behind him. So 
I think that's more of what I'm looking at is who's behind the closers uh, mm. compared to which closers are actually on the hot seat right now. Cause it's still early. So it's, it's tough to tell. Great points. I think Rick sort of hit all of the names there. And this question is sort of linked to the previous one in who are the closers in waiting, just guys that could uh, take over roles pretty early on, I think is sort of linked yeah. to closers that are currently there that aren't, that you're not too confident in maintaining the role even early on. So yeah, I, I think we've sort of, I feel like we've talked about every single reliever in this episode, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's not, uh, our listeners will not be able to say they're not well prepared for their fantasy drafts. That's for sure. Yeah. Like you said, we covered a bunch of names. If you want to get more in specifics, you can find us on Twitter throughout the season. We're going to be tweeting throughout these shows. We're going to be having a tweet. You can find me on Twitter at Callen underscore Elslager. Rick and Jake, go ahead, plug where you guys can find. We haven't done this enough on the show. Where can they find you guys on Twitter uh, if they want to? Have, if they have specific reliever questions and uh, want to come to you, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at I am Rick Graham. Um, definitely, if you have any questions, feel free to to reach out. For sure, yeah, I'm I'm always tweeting about baseball players in general, but I've I've had. Uh, a Pete Fairbanks t- tweet or two. So you can follow me at Jake Crumpler. That's Crumpler with a C. Um, I don't have too many followers, so I appreciate the follows, but uh, yeah, I- I'm putting a lot of stuff out there all the time and uh, got my finger on the pulse. So if you want interesting information, it'll be going through my Twitter before it goes into articles. Yeah. It's an exciting time. Like I said, we're right in the beginning of the, Fantasy draft season. By the time we record next, the World Baseball Classic will be starting. So that's very exciting. Ooh. We're going to be getting into that. We're going to have actually games that quote unquote matter more than the spring training games. I'm very excited to see what those guys do. We'll be watching it closely for not just relievers, but just baseball in general. There's a lot of good stuff going on. And of course, we're diving deep into our drafts. We have Visco, TGFBI, like we talked about. Some of us are in Raz Slam. I'm in a listener league. We have some of the staff leagues coming up. Draft season is upon us. So we're going to be cracking out that content coming up we're going to get into our full on predictions we're going to talk team by team by team names to know continue with the kind of the review and just get you ready you know we're we're cranking this content out we're looking forward to bringing you more on this podcast so thanks for tuning in we'll talk to you guys next week as we dive into the american league closer situations